live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and entertainment, so definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our accounts and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com, and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. Kicking off this edition of the podcast, we definitely have to talk about WandaVision, Episode 3. Now, if you've not been following, Disney Plus has been airing the Marvel Cinematic Universe's latest entry and has definitely had a mixed reaction online. Uh Uh-huh. I think very unjustly, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, understandably, you know, it's a little different than what we're used to from the Marvel formula, but, you know, it is starting to pay off. It is definitely starting to pay off. We're picking up on the story of Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch, and where she has been in the events leading from Avengers Endgame. Yeah. So we know that the Vision is back. They are now in a city called Westview. Yep. And where everything is taking place... It is not as it appears to be. No. That we start off in the 1950s for the first episode. We jump to the 60s for the second. Yep. And there's seeming to be more cracks in the foundation of the world that we are seeing. Going into this episode, we knew that we were going to be going into the land of color since Mm -hmm. before last two episodes have been in black and white. Yep. So we are going to be breaking down the episode We are giving you fair warning right now. We do talk spoilers in our breakdown. So if you haven't seen the episode for whatever reason and you want to delay it so you want to watch it and then you can join in and really have the full grasp of the conversation, we don't blame you. Pause the episode right here because we are going to start talking spoilers of, quote-unquote, Now in Color, Episode 3 of WandaVision in 3, 2, 1. Pad, what did you think? I thought it was a really great episode that admittedly, I didn't understand it fully for what it was. I was like, oh, that's a good episode. Admittedly, watched it as soon as I got up Friday morning. So that was like 5.30 in the morning. Uh, watched it, was still half asleep. So like, I watched it, took it in. I was like, oh, okay, that was wild. Watched it later in the day. And, and that's when I kind of started to fully grasp and fully understand what was going on. And I went, oh, holy shit, that just, this just got great. Business picked up, if we can uh-huh. use that wrestling term. Business is a booming. Because as we now jump into the 70s and through the land of television, we are now in the land of Technicolor. So paying homage to the Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch, Partridge Family. Uh-huh. There was a lot of those vibes into it. I mean, especially the intro, which oh, I, yeah. I, I kept on hearing, Dream of Sleep. Yep. You know, yep. the song. Like, it was just clicking in. I'm like, oh, man, here we go. And the vision with long hair was throwing me off. That was I, awesome. I got to admit, Paul Bettany was definitely living it up. But as we jump into the happy couple... Wanda's pregnancy has definitely taken flight. <laughs> That's using a term mildly. I'm curious. If you've seen the episode and uh, you are a female who has had the wonderful joy of becoming a mother, how would you feel if you went through Wanda's experience? Let us know. Uh, hashtag ODPH. I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, that was definitely a trip to say the least because where we saw in the last episode, she had just become pregnant. And now this episode, she is four months pregnant in to the span, start. In the span of like 12 hours. In the span of 12 hours. So obviously the soon-to-be parents are having a very... <laughs> Crash course. Uh, yeah, to put it mildly, a very unique experience yeah. in becoming parents because 
time is accelerating at a pace that I don't think anybody's ready or is no. it time at all? No, and, and it's funny because there's one scene that I'm sure we'll discuss where Vision notices she's getting pregnant faster or, you know, getting more pregnant faster. Uh, you know, the baby is growing and he, and being the, you know, Android with a basically super mega computer in his head that he is, he tries standing there calculating. All right. When's this baby going to be born? Did that, did that, he goes, Oh, it should be born by like, what did he say? Like afternoon by Friday, Friday afternoon or something like that. Yeah. It was something crazy, was something like, crazy that. like that. And then because of reasons, uh, that didn't work out. No, it definitely didn't. That he was definitely trying to work with the doctor, Dr. Nielsen. Yep. About, okay, what is going on here? And it just was not adding up. So he's already kind of sensed that something is going on in this room. Yeah. And as we see, Wanda is just acting like nothing is wrong per se. Well, she's in that motherly phase. Right, which I, I get from that aspect. But it's like you also have to kind of sense, okay, time is moving at a very awkward pace here. A very fast forward. Yeah. And you don't have that time to break. Yeah. So while they're sitting there figuring out the baby's name... Which yeah. they're going back and forth between Billy and Tommy. Mm-hmm. Hmm, wonder why. We see that she is slowly but surely getting everything ready, but contractions are picking up. Yeah. And then during this time period, she is going into labor. Yeah. So we've already accelerated this aspect tremendously. Which oh, yeah. No, within the span of like maybe because we, we're now the only time we're sure of is that 12 hours have passed since the end of the last episode where they realized she was pregnant to this. We don't know how much time has passed before. I would imagine be a couple minutes, a couple hours. Mm-hmm. But she's already gone from, oh, hey, she's pregnant. I, what, did, what did the doctor say at the beginning? She's four months along? She's four months along. Four months along. She's, so she's gone from the four months phase. She completely skipped the morning sickness phase, which I'm sure every mother who's ever gone through pregnancy would love to skip. Mm-hmm. You know, gets through that and is in the nesting phase. So I think that's part of the reason why Vision's like, all right, we got to figure this out. We got to get stuff ready. We got to do this, got to do that. And she's just in that. Like he says it when he's reading from, you know, the, the parenting guide or what, book or whatever it is that oh you know mothers you know when they're expecting and they hit a certain point they want to nest and they just want to clean and they want to that's what she's doing she doesn't care about anything else she's just like oh i'm gonna be a mom let's clean right so as she's trying to get domesticated so to speak about this vision is frantically trying to figure out what's going on and like i say he's going to go get the doctor who's apparently going on vacation yeah to his knowledge but he's also having the idea of something is not right from a little instance that happened prior to yeah there's linger in the back of his head yeah. and that is involving his neighbor herb and agnes and i gotta admit i'm not gonna lie no disrespect to david payton who plays herb i thought that was craig robinson yeah i well i was like is that craig robinson and then i looked it up on imdb i'm like oh it's not it's david hey david payton okay yes david payton has definitely tried getting his comedic timing down yeah. a little bit for yeah. this so and obviously trying to be you want to say the fish out of water here because uh, he, he aced that in spades oh absolutely because i mean the first time we see him this episode he's sawing a goddamn wall yes like he's supposed to be trimming the hedges and he's using a hedge trimmer but it's going into the wall yeah it was absolutely wild to see him do this and at first I, I don't know about you but i saw that and i'm like oh is this an instance of you know the the system breaking or you know the, the walls proverbial walls cracking because that's that's what it seems like right and it was a good metaphor that you picked up on because i was saying he was doing that because what i was trying to say is what he was getting his comedic timing down is he's playing the wacky neighbor next door yeah, yeah. and he's trying to like brush it off like hey nothing's happening don't yeah, mind this and yeah. yet again we have an instance where something doesn't feel right and Vision's picking up on it. Yeah. And then a little later in the episode, too, he sees that Herb is talking with Agnes. Mm-hmm. And Herb is trying to let out that something is not right. Right. And he's really trying to say this, 
But Agnes is preventing She's him. like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Nope. Like, if she was on the other side of the wall, she would have stomped on his foot just to stop him from saying something. Yeah, it was very cool to see how they were going back and forth because yeah. Vision is picking up on all of this. Like, he's mentally recording this. I mean, obviously, being a robot, he can right, do this. Right, right. But you see Herb is, like, really trying to get, like, the help signal out. Yeah. And Agnes is blocking it because she knows something's going to happen mm-hmm. if, that, if that happens. So they haven't touched upon that detail, but with all of this going in, Vision's mind is all over the place. Yeah. They can't focus because he's going to become a father. Oh, sure. And then suddenly he's got this lurk in the back of his head that something is not right with his neighbors. Mm-hmm. And like I say, they were playing up the whole comedic aspect of the neighbors next door. Yeah. That you see in the 70s television that. Yeah, would play into yeah. factor here. I mean, you can't help but wonder. This is now the second time in the series that we've seen Vision knows something's not right. Now, obviously, the first time uh, was when what was it? The Beekeeper showed up, and, mm-hmm. and Wanda went rewind time, so he didn't remember that. Now you you have to wonder if this isn't going to add up after a while. And going off of the time rewind thing, we did see that again in the episode. Wanda did rewind time. It wasn't as abrupt or as overtly stated. You know, there wasn't like a whole rewind VCR. Uh, effect put on but like there was still that whole I forget when it happened but it happened, uh, something was said she blinked and like it was like an uh, bewitched I dream a genie type of blank and time rewound so she did it again mm-hmm. you know so you can't help but wonder if, if this is, isn't going to add up and come crashing down well I thought Dre put it well shout out to Dre that it looked like your video glitched yes and thus had to do the rewind so they were very subtle about yeah, that yeah. this week so yeah, I definitely yeah. want to give them some props about that because during all this time, it's been so frantic about Wanda and the unco- the upcoming pregnancy yeah. that you really got sidetracked of like, okay, what's really going on here? And that's one thing the show has done very well, mm-hmm. the bait and switch tactic. Oh, yeah. That Wanda is portraying this world as, oh, it's perfect and nothing's wrong oh, with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, And Vision is slowly but surely picking up that something's not right. Like right, I said, right. the instance with Herb is another case. And then the rewind, because he just figures out, wait, something doesn't feel right. Wanda catches it and hits the reset. Yep. So it's a very cool, like, back and forth that they're doing that she's hiding something from Vision, but she's not saying what. Right. But during this time, Vision goes and is going to get the doctor, and then we have Geraldine come to Mm -hmm. the house as well. So she is there during the labor as well. Yep. That she is trying to help, but she's also trying to tell her story to Wanda about her day. And as she's assisting... With the pregnancy yep. and the birth of the child. So everybody is really playing their parts. So, I mean, for if you want to say, like, the major point of this segment, this show was the birth of the twins yeah. that they weren't expecting. So if you know anything, though, about the history of Wanda and her kids, and we, we can't stress this enough, that this is where the factors of what this show is going to be doing moving forward are going to really play into fact. Uh-huh. Because now we have Wanda's kids involved in the show right and and to me it's one of those things like you see with you know some of the star wars animated series where it seems like a filler episode it seems like oh this is just you know this doesn't really mean much it's not going to tie in much nah this is going to tie in pretty heavily absolutely because now we have wanda's children being born wanda Uh, visions yes and that is one billy and one tommy Mm -hmm. now if you're not familiar with who they are in the marvel comics universe they are the Young Avengers, known as Wiccan and Speed. I feel like I've heard you say that name once or twice. Oh, yes. It's like, it's like they're planning for something with uh, that, that uh, t- uh, property. They are definitely making some plans with that. Now, in the comics, they have a very 
messy history. That's true for a lot of comics. Right, but Wanda's children definitely have arguably one of the messier stories going on. Sure, sure. And I don't want to divulge too much into it on this episode, but I could just, be spoilers. Well, I think it might spoil the rest of the season because they're so, not borrowing from just one comic or one run; they're borrowing from multiple. Absolutely, and this one definitely borrows a lot from House of M, and it's also borrowing a lot from Avengers Disassembled, which I've been screaming at. You definitely need to go pick those books up if you haven't read them; they're phenomenal reads. And if you really are a fan of how Wanda's true power level is, those are perfect ways to describe them. Uh huh. So as this is going on, we see Wanda is now given birth. Vision is talking with the doctor. And then Geraldine is now talking with Wanda, too. Yep. And this is where the episode has the big WTF moment, shall we say. Uh Uh-huh. That Geraldine, at some point, just remembers when Wanda is talking about her brother Pietro. Yep. That she goes, Pietro was killed by Ultron. Yeah. And that moment triggers something in Wanda that we have not seen yet. So it flips a switch that honestly scares me. Oh, absolutely. That you, you talk about her going 0 to 100 real quick? Mm-hmm. She absolutely does. I saw somebody on Twitter today uh, post a photo from the episode where it was Wanda with her head tilted. They, and the person goes, if you see Wanda do this head motion, run. Mm-hmm. So once she makes that head motion and she starts interrogating Geraldine, who we all know is Monica Rambeau. Yep. She really is digging into the fact of, where. how did you say that name? What do you know about that name? Well, yeah, what are you yes, talking well, about? And this is where I thought, oh, this is a crack in the system. That, you know, I know there's a bunch of theories that everyone there is dead or there are folks that actually live in the town with the, obviously, the exception of Geraldine, you know, a.k.a. Monica. That, it, you know, the townsfolk that aren't Agnes, Wanda, Vision, or Geraldine are just folks who live in the town. You know, they're dead folks. And, and I thought, you know, okay, may, if that's the case, maybe for whatever reason, Geraldine, uh, Monica doesn't know why she's there. And this is just, you know, a crack in the system. This is just a crack in the, you know, the false sense of security that it's slipping through. And uh, probably not. Yeah, this definitely did not do that. And where Wanda starts picking up is Geraldine is really trying to cover her tracks, so to speak. Yeah, she got caught slipping, and she's like, uh, I didn't say that. Yeah. She really gets caught when Wanda sees her necklace hanging around uh-huh. and the pendant that's on it. Yeah. And she goes, wait, what does that symbol mean? Uh-huh. And, Pad, what was that symbol? Uh, it was a symbol, of, if I'm not mistaken, it was a symbol for a uh, sword. Correct. It was a symbol for sword, the logo that we've seen at the end of each show thus far yep. from the, whoever has been watching on the television. And this was a major factor to be played mm-hmm. because now Wanda has picked up what's going on. Yeah. And what does she do? Uh, she throws her out. She boots her out of the world. Yep. So all I've seen is Geraldine come flying through an energy portal into somewhere that's in a field. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, cars and, and soldiers helicopters. and helicopters all come rushing her yep. as she's lying in this field. And then you see this bubble surrounding the town. something. Well, well, I think first you see, like, the if you ever drive into a town, you know, the, the town name and population and, and some signs on it. You see that, and it says Westview. Mm-hmm. And then you see the town, and it's got this weird energy field over it. And then what looks like some sort of metal things that are like containers or something like that. Right. So, Pad, seeing that, yeah. what did you think? 
Uh, well, seeing that and then based off of what was said earlier in the episode uh, from Herb, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a case of Wanda went in to, you know, into use Westview as a you know base of operations, I guess, for lack of a better term, to try and bring Vision back. She had to get real creative to do it, and she had ultimately ended up creating this, you know, pocket dimension, whatever, whatever it's called. You know, I can't think of the right term. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sword sent. Now, I think there are some people in there that, you know, like the the social club, mm-hmm. like the uh, neighborhood watch group, you know, that they're I think they're just townsfolk who live there that just got caught up in the crossfire. And they're just they're just along for the ride because they can't control her. They can't stop her. They're just, you know, mere mortals. But sword figured out what was going on went in there for whatever reason they want because they're there for a reason. They're not there for shits and giggles and to just try and protect, you know, the population. That's that's part of the mission, but they're there for ultimate re- other reasons, I should say. But I think that you have certain people in there, and I think Agnes is among them, that S.W.O.R.D. sent them in there for a very specific reason, and we have yet to figure out what that is. So here's my theory. Okay. Now I'm switching up a little bit from what I've mentioned previously, but I definitely... I'm fully behind this now. Westview is Mount Wundegar. Okay. So that is the home of the High Evolutionary. Okay. Now, if you know the history of Wanda and Pietro, that's their hometown, so to speak. Sure. The Doctor is Bova. Mm. Herb is the High Evolutionary. So now I am officially changing because I didn't think he was at first. I thought they were just all sword agents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm now going that he's the High Evolutionary. Okay. I'm now sticking, obviously, Agnes is um, Agatha Harkness. Okay. Wanda has them all trapped. Okay. The question is, with S.W.O.R.D., I've now read that they've changed the name, so it's not meant for outer space necessarily. It's uh, The W is now changed from world to weapon. Okay. So now they're treating Wanda as a weapon. Sure. Okay, so if that's the case, it makes a lot more sense about why they're involved. I still think that they sent Monica Rambeau in to investigate what's going on because I fully think that Wanda has created her House of M, that version. Could be. In Mount Wendigore. Could be. Which is the home of High, High Evolutionary, and everybody there is held hostage. It's a weird scenario. Yeah. But let's get weird. This show is weird. Yeah. So I'm fully buying that that is the case. The only thing that I am now maybe a little stumped at, and I I might have to change my pick, is who is Dottie. Okay. Now, Dottie, I've said, has been Maria Hill, and it still might be. Because if we're talking about a possible takeover of a town, she might be in there as well. But if she's the one that's ruling the roost, I don't think necessarily it might be her now. Mm, Maybe. I know that I've read online a few places that they think it's Arcana. Mm. who is the magical member of one Squadron Supreme. Right. Now, they have kind of teased the wizard from same Squadron Supreme being involved, too. Yeah. It might be her. I'm not necessarily sure. I know the Mephisto factor is at play. I don't think it's him, but I did see an image online about a toaster having a 666 on it. Mm. So if that's the case, and if you know anything about... Wanda's kids? Yeah. His fingerprints might be on this. Also, this is the kind of shit he would do. Yeah, it would be. But I, I, I'm i still sticking to my guns that he's not the big bad of this. Sure. I'm sticking to my guns that it's Wanda, and it's been her all along. 
that she had a mental breakdown when the events of the Infinity War happened. Right, and, and we do know because I believe it was Paul Bettany did an interview, and there was supposed to be not like an maybe it was an end credit scene or something at the end of Avengers Endgame that was supposed to show Wanda getting Vision's body, but it was cut. Mm-hmm. So we do know that was supposed to happen. So maybe they'll attach that into the towards the end of this uh, C- series season, whatever it you know whatever it ends up being. And that kind of explains why Wanda got the way she did. I think you're definitely going to see that. That I think that she mentally broke down and is refusing to accept the vision has been killed. It's comics. It makes sense in that aspect. So I think that she's taking the body to Wundergore and she's trying to bring him back. Maybe cut a deal with Mephisto. Right. Maybe even cut a deal with somebody else magical in the MCU. I don't know yet. Yeah, here it is. Uh, so this was on an IMDb video uh, that was speaking with, he was, uh, Paul Batney was speaking with Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, he said, quote, at one point there was going to be a tag where Scarlet Witch opened a sort of body bag uh, drawer and there was the vision. Uh, so, uh, uh, Marvel Studios boss Kevin Feige kind of talked to me and said, I've got to pull the shots. And I was like, oh, because I really wanted that profit participant, uh, profit participation, uh, close quote. So it was shot and it at one point was in the movie. So they're sitting on the footage. I bet you they'll show it at, at season finale. Could be. I, they're going to. You have to explain how the vision is back. And I know they're holding that card very close to the chest for a deliberate reason. Oh, absolutely. That as far as we know, the events of Endgame, he's still buried somewhere. Yep. We know Wanda was there. Yep. And then where she took off after, who knows? Looks like because the only thing we know is she was at the funeral. Right. She was at the funeral. And then after that, it's wide open yep. about what she's doing. Yep. And if she is as powerful as she is in the comics, and let's face it, she is. Yeah. This isn't out of the realm of thought. She could have killed Thanos in Endgame if she really wanted to. Yeah, she really wanted to push the pace. She definitely could have. So I fully think that she took the body to Wondergore and then brought him back. But obviously to do that, and especially since he had the Mind Stone, Mm -hmm. it's not something she could do by herself. Which you notice he still has Uh in the show. I noticed that the other day when I was watching Friday that I'm like, how did I not pick up on this? Probably because it was in black and white the first two episodes right but i noticed it with this third i'm like hold on a second he's still got the mind stone in well my only question with that is is that her memory probably that, that's covering Prob- that up or, probably or did she actually find the mind stone probably because- probably her her it's probably her powers and cut just conjuring like it's probably just a generic whatever gem that would be uh if you dug it out of the earth that she, because she's shown that she can conjure stuff out of thin air when she created the wedding rings mm-hmm. and put them on their on their hands. So probably whenever she was setting up this universe or this whatever and and making things look all nice and pretty, she probably just pulled that out the stone out of thin air. It's got it's got no powers. It can't do anything like like it did in Civil War where he went to use it to hit uh, the Quinjet and ended up hitting uh, War Machine. Like it's not going to do anything like that. It's just there for cosmetic effects. So he thinks nothing's wrong and nothing's happened. Yeah, I definitely could see that happening. Or the one thing about Captain America going back in time and putting the stones back. Yeah. You're kind of stuck with one. That's yeah. That's the soul stone. Yeah. So yeah. how do you know Wanda's not tinkering around with that? Mm, could be. And maybe try doing some weird stuff with that? Could be. Because obviously, as far as we know, Gamora is not back. Neither is Black Widow. Yeah. So Well, there's a Gamora there, just not their Gamora. Right. So it's a little tricky about how that stone plays out. Yeah. So that being said, we got a lot more questions going into this. That Definitely the payoff is there. 
if you've been a longtime Avengers reader, you know an idea what's coming. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody that's only watching the movies, you're very, very confused at what's happening. Can we can we talk real quick below about the a potential Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I uh, was just going to get to that, too, about uh, the commercial. Why don't you break it down for us? So the commercial in this episode was for a soap, uh, and specifically Hydra Soap. Yep. Where And if you're an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, if you're not an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, you might have gone, oh, okay, Hydra Soap. If you're an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan that has seen all of the seasons, you went, ooh, hold on a second. Because if you remember back to, I forget what season it was, mm-hmm. it was the mainframe. Uh, where the team got pulled into the, this computer program. For those of you who haven't seen the show, the team gets pulled into this computer program where it's an alternate universe. Hydra has control of the Treskelion. They run in things. Shield's no longer a thing. They're uh, they're uh, outlawed type of deal. Uh, and, and they're kind of having to deal with, come to terms with that. Uh, and Agent Coulson uh, is a school teacher who isn't falling under the sway of anything and kind of feels something's wrong. And he, his theory is that Hydra has a soap that is brainwashing people to do Hydra's bidding. Mm. Hydra soap. It's a very cool throwback. So once again, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is part of the MCU. Goddamn right it is. Don't want to hear this nonsense. It's not. And another little fun fact is going to go on with this. Okay. So obviously they reference Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh-huh. Who is the head of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, Coulson. Right. Who is the head of Squadron Supreme right now in the comics? I do not know. Phil Coulson. Ooh. That there right. might be a small tie-in right. per se that he is connected. Oh, I shouldn't say he's the head of him. He's connected. It's a little, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. A little fancy. But if Arcana is Dottie, which I'm now kind of leaning she might be, but it's kind of a weird play just because of magic if a character is not Maria Hill because it has to be a figure of power that – Wanda is feeling either threatened to or trying to appease. Right. So I'm not sure exactly how it's going to play out just there. But if it is Arcana, they've already kind of did that light wizard Easter egg. Yeah. And obviously, if you know anything about the wizard, there is kind of a loose connection to like a plot line in, in Wanda and Vision's history. It's it's there. It would make sense. Yeah. Maybe to have a little Phil Coulson. I'm just maybe I'm kind of pipe dreaming a little bit. But we just got to kind of see because there's some more dots put on the table. Uh-huh. Either way, this episode definitely was the big moment we've been waiting for, that the twins are now in the MCU. Tommy uh-huh. and Billy are there. How their story plays out, <laughs> if you know the comics, it's it's let's get weird times a thousand. But overall, Pad, final thoughts on this episode. Great episode that admittedly took a couple of two viewings uh, to fully understand what was going on. But man, oh, man, is it starting to get going. Yeah, you can definitely see what the play is going to be. The Wanda is the true villain of this show. Maybe not her own doing, but she definitely is because she has now set up shop somewhere, and Sword is definitely keeping an eye on her. We saw that they already kind of tipped their hand with one Monica Rambeau being in that universe, but now she's out after it was kind of basically figured out that she knew more than she was letting on and obviously tipping her hat about Pietro and Ultron definitely was the tipping point for Wanda to kick her out. Because if anybody is trying to question what she's doing, you notice how they're getting wiped away very easily. Uh Uh-huh. So that is going to play a new factor into the show as we come into the next episode because now I almost wonder if Wanda's going to be in this one as much as it's going to be the backstory of how Monica Rambeau was tied into this. Could be. I think that we'll get a little more backstory about Monica this episode coming up this week instead of being so Wanda-focused. Just my early prediction, but definitely let me know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. 
Now in color, episode three of WandaVision. Let us know what you thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. Back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it is movie trailer time. Thank God, finally, for this one. Holy shit. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't like swearing that much. But holy shit, uh-huh. we were given a gift this week for a movie that should be watched on a big screen if we can, but if we can't... Should be watched in an IMAX theater. Yeah, if, if you can definitely handle that, but we're going to be getting it in March of 2021, HBO yep. Max. March 26th, I want to say. Yes. And that is one Godzilla versus King Kong. Uh-huh. Holy... The fight to end all fights. So we are going to be breaking down this trailer and kind of give you our thoughts about this because we are very excited about this movie. Yeah, we are. And obviously this is your big popcorn fight battle because Uh if if you have ever watched a monster movie, and let's face it, you probably have at some point in your life. Yeah. King Kong and Godzilla are the two that have always been like, what if they got together and fought? Mm-hmm. They even fought a couple times in some of the older uh, Japanese movies, if R- I'm not mistaken. Right, in some of the older classics. But now, yeah. with the gift of modern technology uh-huh. and CGI, uh-huh. we need to see it on the big screen. This is going to be like, I can't even think of an equivalent. This would be like Superman and then like some equivalent from Marvel just decided to tear shit up and just not care. And just start fighting each other. If they wanted to borrow from the Marvel vs. DC series from the late 90s, early 2000s, there would be Hulk. Okay, yeah, no, exactly. This would be like if you got Hulk and Superman together in a fight to the proverbial death, and they didn't have to care about who got hurt. Yeah, so you know what, actually, I'd much rather see instead Superman vs. Thor. Ooh, that'd be good. I definitely need to see that at some point. Because during this trailer, we kind of see King Kong... Wielding Mjolnir. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Or at, at least. some point. I gotta give a shout it's out a to hammer. your shout out to JVD for pointing that out on Twitter. Uh this trailer starts off though, we gotta get to the breakdown is it starts off with some kind of espionage moving. Yeah, there's some ex- parts. Yeah, say there's some explosions going on. So clearly at the start of it, uh, and I just holy shit, I just noticed something else with this trailer that uh we'll get to in a minute. Uh they're really not trying to hide this. Wow. Uh, there's some explosions, like shit's hitting the fan sideways. Uh, and then it cuts to a scene in the ocean where you've got a couple aircraft carriers coupled, uh, and this is, this, uh, this is like Navy level. Yeah. This is what I was saying. This was the espionage part that stuck out to me. Like the, the quick destruction was kind of like expected. So yeah, Yeah, it's a guy, it's a Godzilla movie. You know what's coming. Yeah. Like that didn't really stick out, but this kind of definitely did though. Yeah. No. So it looks like you got a couple destroyers, a couple cruisers, aircraft carriers, uh, and a helicopter. And lo and behold, we see something that is. We're at least familiar with, if you've ever seen uh, a King Kong movie, at least, you know, the familiar story of, you know, people go to the island, they meet the uh, King Kong. Oh, look at this. Let's bring him back to New York and show him off to the world. So they put him on a ship. So at least from this, it's like, oh, they're borrowing aspects from the, the, the uh, King Kong story. Because as we remember from the pre, the most recent King Kong iteration, it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. It was a completely new story, which 
thank you, I loved. Uh, but it, so we get it. So it cuts to you know King Kong. He looks asleep. Hands rushing against the water, uh, and things are you know they're they're bringing King Kong because at one point in the trailer they say you know we need Kong. Kong can save the world. Right. So they definitely know the stakes are high because Godzilla. We are assuming is rampaging uh-huh. at this point. Yep. Because otherwise, why are you going to get him? Yeah. And then we see Alexander Skarsgård, who is on this film, that he is a doctor. During this, yeah, we're assuming uh, Nathan, a doctor, he's a doctor. He's some person of importance, or otherwise he wouldn't be there. Uh, And according to IMDb, uh, his character is named Nathan Lind, uh, L-I-N-D. Yes, so he is now assessing the situation of okay, why we need Kong. Yep, and he's talking to basically the story of how a child has now connected with him, Mm -hmm. and we see that the child has. I don't want to say a voodoo doll because it looks like a totem, but it does look like a totem. Yeah, it's essentially like a little doll. Uh, that is in the shape and rough size mm-hmm. uh, of King Kong. Yeah, so there is some kind of connection between those two that does, the child can definitely communicate yeah. with yeah. Kong. And, and we see uh, Rebecca Hall, who is playing a character named Eileen Andrews, uh, say that you know something happened with this girl and I made a promise to always protect her, and I think Kong did the same. Because there's this really cool shot, you know, where the girl's on the deck and it's at night, it looked like it's raining or something, and the girl goes up to him, you know, and she, because Kong doesn't look quite happy, and she looks at him, and Kong puts his hand out with one finger, and the and the crew, and like, everybody, the crew is freaking everyone's out. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, they're about uh, Kong's about to kill her." And Kong's like, "No, nah, I got you." It's like it's like a giant sized version of the scene from ET, you know, where they touch fingers, but a lot bigger. Yes. So as it goes forward, though, we have the nice moment, and then everything looks like, oh, we're a little bit of peace, and then the shit hits the fan, and then the captain of the ship sees something is coming their way he's you, you can just look at his face and just go my god yeah and obviously we see the tail and spikes yeah of the king of all monsters rip yeah. through a uh, cruiser there rip through one of the naval ships a couple f i want to say they're f-35s it could be f-22s I, i'm a little rusty on my uh, uh air force aircraft uh shoot missiles at him but lol good luck uh, you know, and Godzilla swats the airplanes out of out of the air with its tail. Everyone goes to the window, goes, "Oh my God, what's going on?" And even Kong's like, "Holy shit, what the hell?" Uh, Kong, and then this is the best moment the, right here. Yeah, Kong gets to the end, and and we know it from Kong the the film that Kong was the kind of like the last line of defense to keep the monsters from the underworld, so to speak, from approaching the sea or approaching the surface. So Kong's got to know by this point because the Kong film took place in the early to mid-70s. I forget when exactly. It's been a, mm-hmm. it's been a while. So Kong, by this point, has got to know what's going on, especially given the events of uh, Godzilla, King of Monsters, where monsters appear all over the all over the uh, Earth, right? All, all the contents. So Kong's got to know what's going on. Kong's got to go, all right, I screwed up in my plan. i got to stop Godzilla. That's presumably why they're bringing him in. Godzilla's gone on a rampage. Kong slams both of its fists on the side of the ship, screams into the ocean, and Godzilla just comes up and goes, yo, shut up. Yep, he just tilts over the entire ship and basically makes his way on board, tearing up everything yeah. in sight. Such a badass picture right here yeah. with the CGI, too. And you see Kong just haul off and punch him right in the face. Sucker punches him. Hell yeah. And then you see them fighting, and he just literally shoves him underwater. The ships are firing bombs underneath, and 
Godzilla shoots up this radioactive blast. His atomic breath up into the ocean, and Kong just like, action movie, you know, Bruce Willis, Dolph Lundgren, Liam Neeson, take your pick, jumps off the ship while an explosion's going off behind him. Yeah, it was so fantastic. That whole sequence, I'm like, if I wasn't already sold on this, I'm like, I am there. Uh Uh-huh. So then we get to a very interesting point, though, in the trailer. Yep. So, Pad? Yeah, so after that, you see two guys talking. Do You see a hear a guy talking. And then it cuts to this uh, gentleman who might not seem all that important. But if you go to the IMDb page, uh, the actor's name is one Shun Oguri, who is playing a character named Ren Sarazawa. Which, if that last name sounds familiar, that is the same last name of the character Ken Watanabe played in the first two Godzilla films. Okay. Sarazawa. So presumably that is his son of some sort. But the most important part is if you look in the background, there is a uh, mechanical plan, outline, whatever you want to say, on the screen behind him. And it says, uh, you can't fully read it, but I'm thinking it says, battery systems, maximum charge. Mm -hmm. And if you're eagle-eyed enough and you're at least somewhat familiar with the Godzilla lore because admittedly I'm not you and I know people who have seen every Godzilla film ever made multiple mm. times I haven't seen all of them I've seen a couple I'm familiar with it I uh, guessing we're they're tipping their hand off on the plot of the film a little bit here because it appears to be in the background Mecha Godzilla is a thing yeah and, so yeah it, that is a big deal and I and the thing I was talking about earlier is as we were starting off the trailer I think there's a quick glimpse of him at the beginning of the trailer if I can just roll it back, and I'm doing this live on the show because I didn't know we wa- we just watched the trailer, and I didn't notice it when we were rewatching it. But when we were kind of going through, I noticed it quick. It's right at the beginning. Explosions going off. It's right when if you watch the trailer, it's right. Yep, yeah, there it is. Right when the people are running down into the subway or underground. Well placed Easter egg. Good I'm eyes, Pat. I'm slowing it. You can if you go to YouTube on your desktop, you can slow it the playback down to about 0.25, and you can see it if you watch very carefully. That's not regular Godzilla. That there's lights attached to that. Yo. So they're tipping their their uh, hand off at the plot a little bit here because destruction's going on around the world. Uh, one would think that oh, they're just a, it's a giant lizard. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna go oh, that's Godzilla. We gotta stop Godzilla. Godzilla's gonna tear the world apart. Let's go get the one per you know because the I'm forgetting the organization's name. But, you know, they're aware of what happened on the Kong Island, Skull Island, back in the 70s, and they know the whole history with Godzilla, with uh, King Kong and, and monsters. Oh, we got to go get the one thing that can stop the, the Godzilla, King Kong. So they bring in King Kong. But Godzilla ain't coming around because he's tearing shit up. He's pissed. Mm-hmm. He's pissed. He knows what's going on. He, he, Godzilla ain't no dummy. Yeah, there's definitely an ulterior story going on that I think that you really can't paint – there's a good guy and a bad guy in the story. No. That you definitely know that they have their each individual stories of what's going on. Because even as we go back into the trailer, and as it appears that Godzilla is in downtown Tokyo. Uh, Tokyo or maybe even Hong Kong. Because it, it, lo- it reminds me a lot of that one scene in uh, Skyfall. I want to say it's Skyfall. Could be uh, spec- no Skyfall. Skyfall. It's very like neon. Yeah, there's lights. a lot of neon lights going it could on. Be, could, it, be, could be China. Could be Tokyo. Could be Hong Kong. Yes, so he's definitely through a city. Pro- knowing Godzilla's probably Tokyo. Yes, and as we're seeing, he's destroying a lot that's going on. Monarchs. But we, monarchs but we do see a couple familiar faces return. One, uh, Millie Bobby, Bobby Brown yep. is reprising her role, and one Kyle Chandler as well. Yeah. So definitely a cool throwback to the original uh, Godzilla King of All Monsters. Yep. 
Yeah, and so then we get to another point where we're, it looks like we're going to get a little more backstory, a little more lore fleshed out with the Godzilla universe, you know, the monster universe, whatever you want to call it, where, you know, you just see, uh, well, and now I'm, I don't think the, the one that I'm at about a minute and 50 into the trailer, if you're watching along, I, there's a uh, ape, you know, monkey you see jump. That doesn't look like King Kong. That's a little small and it looks a little more white in color of the fur. Uh, and it, and it just, uh, you see a handprint and the actress, Rebecca Hall says the legends are true. There was a war and these two are the last of their kind. Yes. So they're definitely doing a mythology almost. And then you see Kong whipping out their version of Milner. Yep. A hammer like weapon that he is taking with him on the road. He ain't coming unarmed. Yes. Because after we see him fight off some dragon type characters, we see him now fighting with Godzilla in that uh, no holds barred. It's it's in da- probably downtown Tokyo. No holds barred, and the coolest shot of the entire trailer. Yeah, this was second for me, but I but so cool in this uh-huh. right. Pad break it down. Yeah, so uh, King Kong leaps into the air off of a building while Godzilla shoots uh, his atomic breath at uh, King Kong. King Kong catches it with the hammer while simultaneously blocking it and uh, coming down at Godzilla, swings the said hammer, axe, whatever it is, uh, at Godzilla, cuts to the uh, title screen, Godzilla versus Kong. Yes, which, I mean, watching this, this is what you want from a big action movie. Uh-huh. You want this from a monster movie. This is what we have been waiting for as fans to see. Oh, my God. As soon as they said, you know, when they first announced the Godzilla movie, I was like, all right, Awesome. They're going to finally wash away the stink that was that 1997 movie. Because that movie's awesome. Oh, with the Come With Me, the Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page song? Yeah, where Godzilla... Matthew will, Broderick, Yeah, Godzilla. Matthew Broderick, Godzilla, where Godzilla laid eggs in Madison Square Garden. Although it did have the memorable, <sighs> it did have the memorable line where they walk in and the one guy in a very heavy New York accent goes, Look what they did to the garden! Yeah. So that was, I mean, that was funny. But that movie's bad. Uh, and I go, oh, awesome, they're going to do this. And then they went and they did uh, Kong Skull Island. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, again, improvement on the last movie they did, which was not good. Mm-hmm. And then they went, oh, hey, by the way, they're connecting universes. And I went, oh, shit. Well, that's always been something they've been rumored about, the Universal Monsters universe, I think was the yeah. working yeah. title for yeah. it. But obviously that hasn't panned out. Not they, yet. Not yet. I don't know if it's going to or not because, I mean, wasn't – the mummy was supposed to be connected with them too. And yeah, I think that was a whole. No, I think that was. I think that was. A, that was a, that one. was a separate universe. Yeah. No, they they were supposed to do some sort of like, you know, giant monster type of universe right. thing with this. But this one is definitely what we've been waiting to see. I mean, obviously, these are your two iconic characters yeah, oh, yeah. of the universe. I mean, everybody else is a side character. So yeah, even if you've never seen prior to Kong Skull Island or, or even the 2005 Peter Jackson film, I had never seen a King Kong movie, Mm. but I still knew who he was because that shot from, you know, the early movies with him on, on the empire state building, holding the woman and swinging his fist at the planes. It's so iconic. Yeah. And the same for Godzilla. You don't know before the 97 film, I didn't know who he was, but I still heard of him. Yeah. It's very interesting to see how this is reacting because so far fans have been jumping at this. Oh my God. Yeah. No, it was, it was real good, but it definitely will catch you no matter what. Like, even if you just go to a movie theater, like if you're lucky enough that you are able to go to one right now, Mm -hmm. going and seeing these kind of movies stand out. These are meant for the big screen. Oh yeah. Now, obviously everything going on in the world, we don't have that luxury. However, we get to see this on the small screen, and it still delivers. Even if we're watching on a laptop right oh, now, yeah. you still have that big fight feel, that big action sequences. Yeah. 
they delivered on this trailer. Like this was oh, absolutely. And this was one that once they moved, because I forget when it was supposed to come out. It was supposed to come out in April or something like that, and it got moved up two weeks. Which when they announced that, I'm like, oh, okay, we're we're gonna need more than some promotional images off of the various IM or HBO Max ads that they've been running. And a couple of promo images. I'm like, we're going to need something of, subs- of substance. And that's when it got announced on Friday or Saturday last mm. week. I forget when. That they're like, oh, hey, we're going to drop a trailer on Sunday. My immediate reaction was, oh, they're going to drop it during one of the NFL football games. Thank God they didn't because they dropped it at like noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I'm like, oh, sweet. I don't got to wait, you know, nine hours to see this damn thing. Yeah, they definitely played it right because obviously we were expecting to see that late night. Yeah. But they kicked it off perfectly. And Also, this, when's the last time you saw a, movie, a trailer drop on a Sunday? Um, that's, that's rare. Civil War? Maybe. Could be. I don't know. And, and I'm not, and I got to say, when's the last time you saw a trailer drop on a Sunday that wasn't Super Bowl? Oh, that's true. I feel like I got to add that addendum because yeah, that yeah. happens Super Bowl every year, but on an average Sunday. I'll give you that. No, but to see this actually come to fruition, I mean, yeah. this, this delivered on all fronts. And Absolutely. like I say, to see that they were going to do a shared universe, and I, you, you are right, and I stand corrected about the mummy, because I thought for some reason they were going to try making him into a life-size, gigantic character. Oh, don't give him any ideas. Well, you know, Tom Cruise was connected to it, so I mean, weird yeah. stuff it, you yeah. know, could happen. So. Yeah, yeah. It's it, Hollywood. You know, this is true. They're going to do something with this, but to see the two heavyweights finally get in the ring oh and duke God, it yeah, out. yeah. This is going to be fun. It is going to be good. Now, I seriously, like Ken said, if you have theaters open in your area where you can safely go, go. Yeah. As somebody who saw the 2015, the one with uh, uh, Brian Cranston, mm-hmm. I saw that film in IMAX. If you have an IMAX theater open near you that is showing this film and you have not seen an IMAX movie or you have not experienced the Godzilla film in IMAX before, do it. The first time in the 2015 Godzilla film that Godzilla did the full-blooded roar, my chair shook. That, like, not for me you know, jumping up and down, leaning back and forth, going, oh, my God, yeah, awesome. No, I was sitting still, and my chair shook like I was on a roller coaster. Mm. Godzilla films and IMAX. IMAX films are awesome as is, just with the size and the sound and the this and the that. But Godzilla films just add such another layer to it that's amazing. Well, that's the whole thing about it, because monster movies are supposed to take you out of that realm of realism and just blow you yeah. away because yeah. of the destruction that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the wild thing about this. That you get the liberty to do it, and especially with how CGI is these days. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you get them in an IMAX, and look how they tear everything apart. I mean, it's perfect. And for the monster-verse, see, that's what was throwing me ah. off. Because there's universal monsters yeah, yeah, and yeah. then monster-verse. Right. So, like I said, I stand corrected. Plus, I don't want to see Tom Cruise as the mummy running around. No. Can you imagine him trying to wrestle Godzilla? Uh, he'd probably have it in his contract that he could win. Yeah, he definitely would. Ugh. Got to think happy thoughts. Like that trailer because, you know what, this is what we wanted to see. It's definitely got everybody buzzing. Yeah. Who, who do you think is going to win this one, Pat? Oh, I think it's going to be a tie. I think it, I don't think I think this is going to be like WWE booking. There's going to be some sort of shenanigans ending because they don't want either one to lose. Mecha Godzilla for the disqualification. <laughs> so we said uh, Mecha Godzilla for the DQ with a run in from Mothra. It's going to be a fun one when it drops in March. I am super psyched to see it. Pat, I know you're definitely amped up for it. Oh, I'm so excited. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about Godzilla versus Kong? Who do you got in the big bat? And what do you think about the trailer? Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. In the not-too-distant future, following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, past the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, 
there is not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to The Last Comic Shop. Rate, review and subscribe to our weekly comic book reviews on all the major podcasting platforms at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Coming back for another segment here on the ODPH Podcast. And time to talk a little Walking Dead. Zombies! Yes, the show has decided to drop its latest trailer, Season 10.5. As we're calling it. Yes, because obviously with the COVID situation, they had to stop production. Yep. We finally got the season finale as we thought yep. a few months back. Yep. But now we are getting our teaser trailer for what is going to be unfolding starting in February. So we are going to be talking some spoilers, trying to break down what is going on. So, Pad, take it away. Yeah, so the trailer starts off kind of innocently enough. Uh, you see the, uh, what uh, what is it? It's uh, Eugene. Uh, Princess. Princess, Ezekiel, and Yumiko all kind of, you know, standing in a circle, backs against each other, arms up, they're like they're ready to fight. You know, and then it cuts to these... Uh, I'll call them stormtroopers because they look like the stormtroopers from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But it's these soldiers in white armor. One forces uh, Princess to the ground and is really forcing her down. Pres- Yumiko looks like she's running up to try and save her. Hard to tell. Uh, it's The picture's a little fuzzy. Not because my, our internet is bad, but it's just how they filmed it. Right. Uh, she gets hit with the butt of the rifle and falls to the ground uh, where the two soldiers go to fight her. Uh, it then cuts to... Our first shot of Daryl uh, returning, running towards a cabin in the cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, backpack on, uh, crossbow in hand, pulls out a uh, knife. You can see a hatchet on it, and you can see a walker coming towards him. And he goes up to, uh, and that then it cuts to uh, Aaron and Gabriel uh, holding off said walkers, uh, which kind of action packed early on. Yeah, it definitely delivered a lot of high tension going on because obviously yeah. they're borrowing from Brave New World, the, yep. which was one of the final stories involving The Walking Dead. Yep. We do know that the show is going to be ending in its current form. Yep. So we do have some loose ends to tie up, and uh-huh. we're, get, we're definitely starting to get some of that here. The biggest takeaways, though, for me from this trailer, though, uh-huh. had to be we have Maggie returning. Yep. And the mystery soldier with her. Yeah. That, that's how I'm referring yeah. to that character as. Cause yeah. All we see is that person is walking around with a lot of knives and yeah, can definitely throw he's it down. got a mask on. Yes. So what the symbolism of that is, I don't know. And, and it's hard for us to say because while you've read all of the comics, I've read almost all of them. I got a couple more volumes I got to pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, at no point, and this isn't spoilers or anything, at no point in the comics does Maggie disappear for an extended period of time and come back with like soldiers. Yeah. That, that's just not how it happens in the comics, you know. But get you know, the show is obviously different than what the comics are at this point not news you know so it's going to be interesting for us you know because normally we're the ones in the know and we're the ones like oh you can't wait till you you thought that was crazy wait till you see that we're as much in the dark as uh you the listener if you haven't read the comics are yeah they've definitely been very very quiet about what that character is entailing like we do know that there is a couple characters that they did show one uh had a little kind of sequence with Aaron on the show and that one is played by Robert Patrick who you probably know most notably from Terminator 2. Okay, I I thought he looked familiar. Yeah, he was definitely 
standing out in that. Yep. And we also appears to have gotten a quick glimpse of one Lucille yeah. played by Hillary Burton yeah. in the show, which obviously, if you know that character, uh, that is Negan's wife. Yep. And that is actually Jeffrey Dean Morgan's wife in real life. Which is awesome. Yes. So we knew that they were going to be doing that story involved in some way. So how they're going to be doing that interpretation on the show, we don't know. We do know that we're going to see that episode probably at the season finale of this little short batch of shows. Yeah. Because obviously with Maggie coming back, there's got to be a resolution between her and Negan. Oh, yeah. They're not going to let that plot line die. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. No, Any way, shape, or form. So, and they definitely did imply that that is going to be a focal point in this trailer. Uh Uh-huh. The the fact that Maggie was explaining to Daryl that she had to tell her son right. about how her husband, Glenn, died yep. and how the man that was responsible was should have got a bullet between his eyes and didn't. And then yeah. we see that Negan is by a fireplace later in the episode. And almost like, like, look, he's, like he's contemplating life. Yeah, he's reflective. Which, yeah, well, a little somber. Well, he's not smiling. There's not that familiar Jeffrey Dean Morgan grin on his face. He's kind of like eh, down in the dumps no, a little bit. No, but... Damn it, that charisma at the end. Uh-huh. Cuts away, and you just see it. Because the, when you see the close-up of the Jeffrey Dean Morgan at present, a little gray, a little, little older, got a, just a plain-looking uh, shirt on. Uh, it then cuts away to, you know, the, the Negan we're familiar with from when he first appeared. Leather jacket, leather, grub, leather gloves in hand, uh, Lucille in his hand, uh, the bat, not his wife. It's just his little pig, little pig. Let me in with the most charismatic smile you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it was just perfect Negan. Uh Uh-huh. As crazy as that sounds. But the trailer definitely gave a little bit of Easter eggs. They didn't give a lot. No. But you definitely know the two major plots that they're going with. Yep. And we did see that some of the characters, like Father Gabriel, is still dealing with the effects of what's just happened with Beta. Yeah. We do see that Carol and Daryl are together. Shocker to no one since they've already tipped that hand. Yeah, I'll say, we. Uh, spoiler alert, they're getting their own spinoff series. Yeah, so obviously you know that they're safe. And to, a, to a degree. I would say to a degree, but then again... They're safe. They're going to make it through. We just don't know if they're going to make it in one piece. Well, that's... You have to think they're going to unless... Someone the, could lose a limb? Unless the whole show is going to be a prequel. Like I say, nah, I, 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 no. I, I struggle with that no. whole, the whole concept of them doing it. Unless they do something, because there was what? From the time Rick, quote-unquote, died, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, he didn't, to the Flash Forward, that was what? Five years? Six years? Something it was it was multiple it was multiple years it was multiple years unless I, this number escapes me yeah unless they do something from in that time period it's quite possible it's it's not to say they wouldn't but you just have right. to kind of sit there and go okay with the Walking Dead who is always known for that big shock value true switcheroo true to tip your hand like that I, I I don't like that I don't like it when Legends of Tomorrow does it I don't like it when the Walking Dead does it because when you give away too much of what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. What's the incentive to watch? Unless right. uh, unless you're diehard fans and you're like, oh, I'll watch it regardless. Right. But still. Right. This trailer, though, definitely gave it just a small glimpse, which I, I, I'm very happy they didn't go Daryl heavy with it. No, which was nice. It kind of gives you some hints of what's going on and watch your appetite because, let's face it, it, it's been a little bit since the final episode we've seen. Uh, a Certain Doom, which aired on October 1st of 2020, so a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And then the synopsis of the show is coming out. I mean, they definitely yeah. balance out with what the yeah. trailer was showing. Yeah. 
So definitely something to be looking forward to. And, I mean, I know, Pat, you're a big Walking Dead fan. Yes. Any certain expectations you have for this season? I know it's a small one, but still. Yeah, it's a small one. It's only one, two, three, four, five, six episodes, uh, the first of which airs on uh, February 28th, 2021. uh, And the final episode airs on April 4th, 2021. Uh, I'm expecting some tie up some threads from the last you know last part of the season because imdb is listing them as add-ons to the 10th season i know that they've said it's add-ons to the 10th season i'm calling it season 10.5 just because it feels worse for me it feels weird for us to have talked about the season 10 finale but oh hey there's more episodes it's 10.5 because it's not 11 it's not 10 uh i'm expecting some plot threads to get tied off uh maybe a little bit more than what they would have done uh i'm also expecting them to start planting some seeds and doing some more long builds or better builds i would say for the next big bad to turn up uh, because alpha's gone beta's gone the whispers are gone you, you might have some flare-ups now and then where somebody tries stupidly to, to attack them but i would imagine that we start getting that kind of like seeds and planting of who's coming next well brave new world will tip some of that off like, I don't want to go deep spoiling about that because I want to see how the story is going to play out on the show right now. But the soldiers that you see that look like stormtroopers are going to definitely play a factor moving mm-hmm. forward. Just how much, we don't know. But for what this trailer gave, it definitely has me wondering a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm excited for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm more excited about the Negan story. Cause that's, oh, that's going to be good. Because that one definitely needs to play out. Yeah. And we have to figure out what's going to happen yeah. there. So that's the major driving point for me about this trailer. But overall, it did what typical Walking Dead trailers do. Didn't give away too much. Definitely gave an insight of what to expect this year. Uh-huh. I, I'm expecting for our two or 10.5 season, a lot of Maggie, a lot of Negan. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. And a lot of, and I'm guessing high tensions because something tells me she's not going to be okay with him walking around. No way. Well, obviously, knowing their history, there's no way they should. I'm just curious of how the show is going to take that story. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I am very, very intrigued about it because then we have the one season left. Yep. We know Which it's going to, well, it's technically two seasons, but it's one season officially. Yeah, we'll just call it one season for that. Yeah. We do know that Fear the Walking Dead is coming back. Yep. And Fear, like I, I said, was the biggest surprise I think I've watched from the Walking Dead universe in right. many, many moons. I got to admit, I'm getting an urge to rewatch uh, the previous seasons of Walking Dead. Not going to lie. I haven't done it in a while. I haven't done that, but I'll tell you what, jump in on Fear. Okay. Jump in on fear first, and then let let me know because I know I gave away some spoilers, but I'm telling you, this past season was uh, was one of the best ones they've done. You know, a little messed up here and there, but nothing sure. nothing sure. overall to what we've sure. seen. We know that Worlds Beyond is coming back for whatever reason, and I yeah. I'm, I'm sorry I, for me, it just feels like a long drawn out prequel to the Rick Grimes movie. That's pretty much what it is which is fine i like i said i kind of gave up i just couldn't take it i'm just sorry yeah yeah i'm a cup of java but for the flagship show let's see how they send it off and obviously the return comes this february so hit us up on the hashtag hashtag odph what is your thoughts about the walking dead are you excited to see it return in february are you not and what's your thoughts on the trailer let's talk we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back I am Christy. And I'm Leighton. And together we are Married Married Mash, Mash. a podcast on a couple's guide to whiskey tasting. Give us a listen as we try not only a whiskey, but branch out into new adventures, like cooking with whiskey, Mm -mm. various cocktails, delish, other alcohol-related drinks, brought to you by our Podluck segment, and Bottom Shelvers, better known as the BS Review. Then we'll try a new whiskey we haven't had before. Will we clink it? Or will we sink it? 
Listen for our weekly episodes on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember, always drink responsibly. Indeed. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. How about those one-shots, Pad? Got a few things to talk about, first of which dropped right as we finished the episode. God damn it. Always. I know. Always. And this is one that we almost assuredly would have talked about because it is one of my favorite TV shows of all time, one of my favorite animated shows of all time. That is Batman, the animated series. Uh, According to comicbook.com, there is a sequel for the animated series reportedly in the works for HBO Max. So, reading from the comicbook.com article, uh, quote, following the announcement that Batman, the animated series, has finally shifted from the DC Universe platform and onto HBO Max, it seems like the future of that classic cartoon could be very bright. Speaking on their latest episode of the Fat Man Beyond Contest, podcast co-hosts mark bernadin and kevin smith brought the rumor to light with the form former firmly labeling it as a rumor quote the rumor is that hbo max is looking at making a batman the animated series sequel that they want to continue that forward uh bernadin said as smith co- uh, covered what was very clearly a huge smile on his face uh, i don't know what you're talking about smith said with a twinkle in his eye i'm not involved but i too have heard this and i've heard this from very reliable people when I heard it, I freaked out. And I heard this, I would say, from, say, a month uh, before you said it. I think it's real. I don't think that's a rumor. Uh, I wouldn't say set your watch to it. But it's an idea whose time is not only coming. I think it came. And it's smoking a cigarette. I, I think it, that's going to happen. How effing amazing would that be? would that be because you can just literally pick up and keep going it's not like oh we got to explain why everyone's older it's effing animation man you can go right back to those amazing effing stories uh he continued that to me is a no-brainer you've got hbo max you're already doing that amazing harley quinn show you're printing money if you go back and do batman the animated series uh you can't mess up the legacy that's for damn sure you can't uh, F it up. There's no reason not to do it as long as you've got the creative key, compo- the key creative components. As long as Bruce Tim is involved, uh, wants to be there, uh, go for it for heaven's sake. Close quote. I agree with him 100. Uh, it is one of the best series. Only thing I would wonder is what does this mean for the comic book uh, run they're doing right now, where it is Batman: The Adventure Continues, where it is a continuation of of the Batman stories and and whatnot. Uh, in a more linear fashion than what you're used to from the animated series. Uh, but no, give me more, as long as Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are involved and you get some of the voice actors who are still around uh, involved, give it to me. Yeah, I'll admit I'm 50-50 on this. Like, the thing about Batman the Animated Series, it is arguably the greatest superhero comic cartoon of all time. Yeah. I mean, there's very few that come up near there. Yeah. But I'm going to say it's the champ. Trying to recapture the magic is tough. Oh, yeah. So it's not unheard of. But yeah. like you said, if Conroy gets back on board and, and they get a lot of the people that were first involved on the yeah. run, yeah. I'd probably warm up to it. I'll say, if they, if they can get Bruce Tim back to do the writing, because Bruce Tim is doing the writing for the Batman The Adventure Continues comic series. It follows in the same vein of the animated series, just it's a little darker. You know, they, they touch on, uh, they went and, t- and touched on Red Hood, yeah. which I realized they did in an animated movie that, you know, alluded to it. But this is directly, like, ties into that animated Right, universe. right. It's connected directly. You know, so th- I think they can, if they get Bruce Tim involved, do it. Yeah. It, you but, just, but Bruce Tim has to be involved. You got to get Tim involved. You got to get the, the right people involved. Yeah. Because, like I say, 
trying to – this kind of falls under Watchmen for me. Yeah. That and, – and you know how I'm about that book. Like, I don't yeah. think it should be touched in any way. The before Watchmen books, I could care less about. Yeah. The TV show that came on HBO, I'm 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 good with now. Yeah. I'm I, it's like okay that yeah that definitely captured the voice of it. I just don't like it when they start tampering with mm-hmm. stuff that's that mm-hmm. classic. Yeah. I mean, f- the closest thing I can say to it is the Netflix uh, Transformer series. Great series, fucking amazing. I highly recommend you check it out. It's still odd to me because for other reasons. It's not the same voice actors that voice Megatron and Optimus Prime. Mm. It's a little weird. Is the story still amazing? Yes. Is the uh, action awesome? Yes. Is it weird that it's not the voices, at least I'm familiar with, voicing Megatron and Optimus? Yes. So in that instance, I think if you wanted, and that's kind of hurt the show a little bit, especially with some of the diehard Transformers fans, that it's not those familiar voices. Right. I think if you want this to be a home run smash out of the park, get the same creative writers, producers, directors that were involved with Batman the Animated Series then Batman and Robin and Batman the New Adventures, you know, get them involved. Get the same voice actors. Get, you know, obviously you probably won't be able to do all the same uh, artists and cartoonists because some of them might have passed on, some of them might have retired, some of them might be on other projects. Mm -hmm. But if you can get as many of the key decision-making people involved and get the same voice actors involved, because let's face it, it's going to be weird if you do a continuation of that series and Kevin Conroy isn't Batman if... Now, the only interesting plot twist with this is going to be Mark Hamill because he said one of the Arkham video games was going to be his last iteration as the Joker. Right, but... I think this would be an exception for him. To, if he can come back, it's still Bruce Tim. It's still everybody involved. I think he'd be willing to do it. I, yeah, that's the thing. If you got the right people involved, I'm sure he would come back. Yeah. I, I think that he just... As weird as it sounds, he doesn't want to be typecast in that role. Yeah. But... He does it so well, and like I know, it's obviously well. He's Luke Skywalker. Right. Yeah, I get that. But he but... also he didn't do Luke Skywalker for like twenty five years. Exactly. He, so... did, he did Joker for like twenty five years. Right. So obviously, it's a high precedent set, and they just gotta get the right people involved. Yeah. If they do that, it's good. If it's like we're just gonna kind of throw it against the wall and hope it sticks, don't tag your name to the project. Yeah. Like I'm sorry, change, call it something else, but. To basically make a sequel to it, yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I'm, I'm. If they get the right people, like I said, Tim comes back, I'm there. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, switching over to some very interesting news that I'm kind of on the fence about. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Uh, according to Variety.com, uh, there are rumors that a Harry Potter TV series is in early development at HBO Max. Not, not sure how I feel about this, and I'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, so from the Variety article, quote, rumors that a show set within the Wizarding World have persisted for some time. Now it seems those plans are moving ahead, though no writers or talent are currently attached to, to the project. Uh, sources say conversations have taken place with multiple writers on the potential series. There is no word yet on what the focus of the show would be or what part of the Harry Potter timeline it would focus on. Uh, should it move ahead quote there are no harry potter series in development at the studio or on the streaming platform warner brothers and hbo max said in a statement to variety though multiple sources have confirmed that the, that the project is in the very early stages uh, the harry potter book series is one of the most popular of all time with the seven books in the series having sold over 500 million copies worldwide uh, they were then adapted into an eight hit uh, a hit eight film franchise which has grossed nearly eight billion dollars worldwide there have also been two films to date in the prequel spinoff fantastic beasts film series with a third uh, of five plans planned films due out in 2022 uh, there was also that piece of shit god awful sequel book that they turned into a play i heard the play is very good but the book is fucking awful we're not going to talk about that yeah i didn't want to bring that up in front of you i'm i'm on the fence about this because i love the harry potter series 
it got me into reading books because prior to that, I didn't really like to read books. Uh, but I heard about it. Enough people told me about it. I was, ah, I'll check it out. I then proceeded to read, I read the second book, uh, Chamber of Secrets first, because, well, the first one was checked out at every local library in my area, and the wait list was like three months long. Mm. The, my local library, the, right near my house, had the second one available. I read that thing in less than a day. Which, wow. which for me, you, you talk to my parents, I did not like reading at that point. Mm. I It was very hard. They had to almost bribe me to get me to read a book. Mm-hmm. Re- legitimately, stayed in my room and read that thing in a day. You know, so I have very fond memories of, of the books and, and getting excited when they were getting ready to come out. And, and eventually when we got internet and going on to fan sites and speculating and reading theories and all that. And then when the film started coming out, I've got very fond memories of, of going with my family to see the movies when they came out. So much so that, you know, my mom went with my sister and I to see the last one when it came out because she's like, well, I've seen every one other one at this point. I might as well see how it ends. Yeah. You know, so I've got very fond. I mean, I enjoy the hell out of the Fantastic Beasts series for for what it is. You know, it's no Harry Potter, but I but I don't treat it as such. It's, it's a separate story. It's it's set before. I'm intrigued to see where it goes. I'm, I'm on the fence because I know people have wanted to see a Harry Potter series for a long time. I know the popular fan wish is that. You know, they do an HBO-style series where every episode is a chapter of the books, and good God, that would take forever. Yeah. <laughs> that, and, it, and so that leaves in every detail and nothing's got... That would be cool, but if they do something, don't set it with the characters we know. Don't... Yeah, you gotta follow the same playbook The yeah. Mandalorian did. Yeah, do... Carve do, a new niche. Do something that's maybe set in the same time as the, as the upcoming video game where it's set in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Go back even further. You know, set something up so that you, you're not tying your hands with, oh, well, we have to... Because Fantastic Beast series, as great as that is, if you if you know anything about the, the history or the lore of Harry Potter, you know where that has to end. You know where that has to go. You know where... Dumbledore has to end up. You know where Grindelwald's character has to end up. You know how that's going to end. Yeah. Do something else. Do something separate. Loose of tie-ins, loose affiliations. Maybe a little hint at something down the line or this little seed planted for something down the road. Don't do it, you know. The only thing I would the only thing I would maybe like is is something with Harry's parents, Lily and James, and while they were at school. Yeah, that would be something. I, like, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, do something away from the characters we've seen in the movies. Like yeah. I said, you can do this. Mandalorian is set the president. Yeah. So if you're good with just really being creative, then yeah. run with it. But if you're just trying to, like I say, if you're trying to recreate the magic, no pun intended. Yeah. It's such a hit or miss. Yeah. And if you miss. You stain the franchise. Uh-huh. Like I'm sorry, and, yeah. and for Harry Potter, it's one of those passionate fan bases, like Pat talked about. They like literally close your eyes, throw a dart at a calendar, and, and if you hit a weekend, odds are there's a Harry Potter film going to be on. Yeah, like it's just absolutely wild to see how this thing has just exploded and grown to where it is. Yeah, but now it's almost approaching 30 years of being a thing. Yeah, like I, I realize that's probably about five, six, seven years away. But we're quickly approaching it being a thing for like 30 years. Right. So to touch that legacy, I would steer away from it unless you did something rich. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, moving on, this one caught me by surprise. And I guess I'm a little bit excited for this. Uh, you remember the game Knights of the Old Republic? 
I remember hearing about it. Yeah, so this was a game made by the folks over at EA Games and Bioware. It was an RPG game. Uh, oh, I think I played this. Okay. Yeah, it came out on PC. I think it was out on Xbox as well. Yeah, like for a quick hiccup. Yeah, it was set uh, well before the movie's prequel or original trilogy, and it followed uh, the characters Revan and Malik uh, in the first one, and then the second one was uh, a continuation of that story. A lot of fun. Uh, I remember getting the second one for my birthday one year. That son of a bitch came with six discs. Oh, jeez. And because this was around early 2000s, so I want to say like 2002, 2003, 2004, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. uh, PCs were not what they were today. And the PC we had at that point was not anywhere near, looking back, it was not anywhere near enough what we had to, to play it reasonably. Right. Uh, we had to clear off half of the stuff off of the PC just so I could play the darn thing. Jesus. Uh, but it's a great game that a lot of fans have holding a lot of uh, high uh, regards, myself included. It's a great game. A lot of fun. Uh, A lot of fans have wanted Knights of the Old Republic 3 to happen for a while, and and at one point fans thought that was going to happen, but that ended up not being true. It was The the Old Republic, uh, which is the MMO game uh, that you can play online. Played that a little bit, too. That's not bad. Uh, But according to uh, an article from IGN.com, a new, quote, a new Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic game is reportedly in the works, and it is not being developed by EA and BioWare, the studio behind the original game. Uh, As reported by VG and I gotta give a shout out to my brother, buddy Jordan Mason at Cinelinks. He reported this like probably about a year ago. Uh, this latest rumor comes courtesy of the credited Star Wars insider Bestman Bulletin, who spoke on a recent BOB, the podcast episode about this project that is said to be in development outside of EA and that, quote, we'll never guess who the studio is that's making this game. Uh, amongst my dick quote, amongst my digging, I heard there is a Knights of the Old Republic project in development somewhere. I talked to a couple people, and I also found out that Jason Schreier said that it's not with EA, and we'll never guess who the studio is that's making this game, close quote. So, yeah, this is going to be very interesting. Uh, Bloomberg's Jason Schreier has previously spoken on the potential of a Knights of the Old Republic project, both on Reset ERA and Twitter, uh, Reset Era and Twitter, and his words echo Bestman Bulletin's comment. Uh, furthermore, Wushu Studios' Nate Najata also took to Reset Era, uh, in, in response to this to say, quote, it's not as mysterious as you think. It's just not a household name most people are aware of, close quote. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, a, I'm all sorts of amped up for this. Sign me up. Yeah, this no. actually looks really good. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't played the first one, and, and I remember borrowing from somebody who yeah. played for a quick hiccup. So. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. And if they follow that same vein, I'm all sorts of amped up for that. Okay. Uh, on some unfortunate news now, uh, totally expected, but saw this coming a whole boatload of movies got delayed uh, towards the end of last week after we recorded. Most unfortunately, uh, No Time to Die. God bloody damn it, this mm. movie got delayed again. Uh, so this was originally supposed to come out in 2020. It was moved into a 2021 release. Uh, so it was supposed to come out on April 2nd and has now been pushed back to April 8th. Uh, this was tweeted out by the Bond uh, Twitter account. So, God damn it, I'm not happy about that. Sorry, Pat. Uh, is what it is. I mean, I know they tried working out a deal with Netflix, but they wanted like $600 million to get the rights to the damn thing so i just wanted to come out uh some of the other notable movies that got delayed or announced delayed uh, towards the end of last week uh the king's man which was of course the prequel in the kingsman universe uh got delayed from march 12th to august 20th of 2021 
Uh, Last Night in Soho, which is the new movie from Edgar Wright, uh, was delayed from April 23rd to October 22nd, 2021. Uh, A Quiet Place 2, which is, of course, the sequel to the the hit first movie. Yeah, John Krasinski's book. Yep. Uh, That is delayed from April 23rd to September 17th. Uh, The Cinderella film from Sony, uh, nothing to do with Disney, that was delayed from February 5th to July 16th. Uh, The Uncharted film with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland, that has been delayed from mid-July to February 11th, 2022. Uh, And then Ghostbusters Afterlife, that is the sequel to the last of the original Ghostbusters movie with the the original guys there, that has been delayed to November 11th. So a whole bunch of delays, understandably so. A lot of theaters aren't open, especially here in our area. Right. You hate to see it, but saw it coming. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, obviously, right now, we're just in a reaction phase. Yeah. So we just got to kind of wait and see. Yeah. Uh, so switching back over to some Star Wars news, uh, we do know that the Cassian Andor series is getting ready to film if they're not filming already. I forget what they said at the Disney uh, Investor Day. I, I thought it was early 2021, so yeah. it's, it's got to be rare and soon. Yeah, they got to be getting ready uh, to film soon. Uh, but uh, Alan Tudyk uh, did an interview with Collider about his new series, Resident Alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tudyk mentioned that... Uh, quote, even though they're shooting the new show now, this referring to the Cassian Andor series, he is not a part of it. Uh, saying, quote, they're shooting it right now. I'm not in it. But if it stays on the air, stories keep getting told. I'll end up in there. Close quote. Uh, he, he acknowledged that even though he hasn't been brought back as of this writing, he still seems to be pulled into the marketing of the show. Uh, quote, I'm all these announcements uh, for the show, and I had suggested at D23 when we announced the show that it be called K2 Fast, K2 Furious, the Cassian God. Andor series. Oh, God. And um, that's not happening. It's called Andor, Tudor, Tudor joked. Uh, he also expressed a concern that as he gets older, it will only get more difficult to perform uh, in the elaborate mocap suit needed to bring K2SO to life. I need, I do know this. I have to be on stilts for it because of the character, because the character is seven foot one. And I'm not one of those guys that says somebody else do the motion capture and I'll voice voice it later. I'll have to do the motion capture and I turn 50 in March. So I hope they, uh, they get to it soon because I'm not going to be on stilts in like five years. I'm not doing it. Close quote. Uh, all jokes aside, Tudyk is pretty confident that K2SO will be making his return. And uh, he even mentions that series creator and Rogue One co-writer Tony Gilroy ha- already has an idea in mind for him. Quote, I'm going to be in the show. It's just that the story that Tony is telling doesn't involve K2SO until later on. I can't be too specific, but I'll, I can definitely say that I'm not going to be in the first season, uh, Tudyk confirmed. So understandably so uh, obviously spoiler alert given the ending of row one uh cassie and andor dies mm. uh so does k2so so ain't no way it's going to be a, a, a sequel series because unlike force users like uh the jedi and Sith, uh cassie and k2so can't come back to life especially right. especially when the planet was blown up so it's a prequel series and but it seems like it's uh going to be far back enough that he hasn't met k2so yet but it's not being ruled out yeah, this is going to be an interesting series when it comes out. Yeah. And I'm definitely amped up to see it. Oh, so. I am too. Uh, switching over to some movie news that I admit didn't know was coming, but I'm kind of excited for it. Uh, Seth MacFarlane is apparently working on a reboot of the film Naked Gun. Oh, he, God. Yeah, so, uh, and he's reached out to a, a very interesting actor to play the, the lead role, Liam Neeson. As, uh, oh, as what Leslie Nielsen's uh, t- character? Yeah, so uh, uh, maybe uh, Liam Neeson uh, did an interview with People Magazine. Uh, quote: 
Uh, so yeah, uh, reading from the article on IGN.com, uh, this news comes by way of an interview between Neeson and People, in which Neeson described discussed how he plans to retire from action movies soon, open opening up the door for other types of movies, genres like comedy. Uh, his venture out of action could begin with the reboot of the Naked Gun series. Uh, quote, I've been approached by Seth MacFarlane and Paramount Studios to maybe resurrect the Naked Gun films. It'll either finish my career or bring it in another direction. I honestly don't know, close quote. Uh, so yeah, I gotta admit, I had no idea Seth MacFarlane was potentially doing a Naked Gun reboot. I had no idea about this. But holy shit, give it to me. Yo, this is gonna be out of control. Uh-huh. And Liam Neeson playing Leslie Nielsen's character. <laughs> That's the only thing I could see him doing. Oh yeah. my god, this yeah. is gonna be out of control. Uh, and, and Seth MacFarlane's comedy? Give it to me. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some streaming news, uh, I know a lot of people will be excited for this, and I'm probably going to give this off, myself this uh, a check out. Uh, coming to Disney Plus on February 19th, every season of the original Muppet Show will be on uh, available for streaming on Disney Plus, that being February 19th. So uh, it's 120 episodes dating from 1976 to 1981 uh, will be available, and this marks the first time that the original Muppet Show will be available on any streaming service. Hmm. Yeah, so no, I know I've seen a couple episodes and reruns when I was a kid, uh, but being when it came out, it was before I was uh, born. But I'm definitely excited to check this out, especially I've, I've heard legends and tell of the, of the Star Wars episode that had like Mark Hamill and all them on it. Right. I definitely want to give that a check out, but I've, I've, I've got some fond memories of some reruns, so I'll, yeah. go, I'll probably check it out. Yeah, you can't go wrong with the Muppets. No, absolutely not. Uh, and then lastly, uh, there we got a little bit of a casting announcement for The Witcher Blood Origin, which is the prequel to the Netflix Witcher series. Uh, and they announced it's the first cast member in Jodie Turner-Smith, who will uh, play the role of Ellie. I think it's how you say it. That's E-I-L-E. Uh, who is, quote, an elite warrior blessed with the voice of a goddess. Uh, Turner Smith is best known for her roles uh, starring in uh, Queen and Slim. Uh, she also appeared in Sci-Fi's Night Flyers, uh, which was based on the George R.R. R. Martin novels. Uh, the Netflix press release describes Ellie as, an, quote, an elite warrior blessed with the voice of a goddess who has left her clan and position as Queen's guardian to follow her heart as a nomadic musician. A grand reckoning on the continent forces her to return to the way of the blade in her quest for vengeance and redemption, close quote. So not a whole lot more to go on about her. Uh, Blood Origin is a prequel set 1,200 years before the main Witcher show, uh, a period which admittedly never been covered in any of the Witcher books or, yeah, or, or the games. Uh, the show's uh, log line reads, quote, set in... In an elven world 1,200 years before the world of the Witcher, Blood Origin will tell a story lost to time. The creation of the first prototype Witcher uh, and the events that led to the pivotal conjunction of the spears. Which, when the worlds of monsters and men and elves merged to become one. Close quote. Uh, it is being developed by the original series showrunner Lauren Schmidt uh, Hisrich and Declan DeBara, who wrote the season one episode of Banquets, Bastards, and Burials, and will comp comprise six episodes. Uh, I do no release date yet on the series. Uh, not sure if they're. I don't think they're even filming yet. They're just announcing casting. But season two uh, is in the middle of filming, or they're paused filming. I know they're doing something with it. I know it's in production. So like it's in I, production. I, yeah, I think that season two, if they're not starting soon, like yeah. if they're not already starting, it's very very soon. Like yeah. it could possibly be next week yep. or so. Yeah, uh, and I also know there's an anime uh, adaptation of The Witcher in some form coming. So a lot of Witcher goodness coming. 
Yeah, I, the anime one is throwing me a curveball. Like I'm, uh, I'm, try, I'm trying to wrap my head around that one, yeah, but yeah. But uh, hey, if they get the same studio that did like the Castlevania and then the Blood of Zeus to do it, I'm sold. Give yeah, it, exa- give it to me exactly. So for my one shots, uh, a quick tour of the DCCW. Okay, because Batwoman has come back and just kind of give a little synopsis of what's going on. They have explained about how they wrote out Kate Kane, played by okay. Ruby Rose. Okay. Uh, Javissa Leslie, who's taken over as the role as Ryan Wilder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first episode that she's been great in. I, That's I good. don't. I don't really struggle with it too much. That's I, good. I know that they're still borrowing a lot from the Bat Universe because obviously they have introduced Hush into the show, and obviously they are still tying up the loose ends from her and Alice as yeah. well. So there's still some moving parts. Um, I'm gonna do another rewatch of it because i kind of left him going okay i wasn't blown away but i wasn't yeah. like i gotta stay yeah. away from this yeah so batwoman is back on the air so definitely check it out if you haven't hit me up on the hashtag let me know what your thoughts of this first two episodes of the uh Jovisa leslie era is going for it yeah because definitely want to have the conversation gotta, gotta catch up on that yeah no I, I think that i got high hopes for this okay. I, I really do That's like good. from what i've seen so far it's like it's got some potential, but they're still doing that whole origin. You know, how it takes a little while to get going on with the new characters. So, right. So I think that's kind of holding me back a little bit. But like I said, I'm still sticking with it. Uh, and also with CW, they did release another trailer for Superman and Lois. Give me this. Yes. So February 23rd, it's going to be a two-hour event on the CW. And this is picking up right where the events of Crisis on Infinite Earths left off. Yep. So we have our new Superman coming back. And we're seeing that, obviously, things have changed for that couple. Uh-huh. That we're seeing that Superman and Lois are married. And they have kids, plural. Yep. And they're back in Smallville. They're without their jobs. Yes, they're jobless. We are seeing other members like Martha Kent and Jonathan Kent and Lois Lane's father from the military involved as well. We do see Kryptonite during this trailer. They do tease enough to keep you guessing of what the direction is going to be because this has... Kind of a Black Lightning feel to it in the mm-hmm. sense that this feels like it's going to be so family-centered, yeah. which I like. Yeah. It's one of the things I really love about Black Lightning, so yeah. to see it here, i definitely intrigued for it because I don't want to see the typical Superman show. No. But I know Tyler Hoechlin, Tyler Hoechlin, yeah. Hoechlin has been playing an amazing job since we've seen him on the CW, yeah. so I'm really excited from what I saw in the trailer for this. So. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a huge Superman fan. Superman's obviously, like I've said before, my favorite superhero of all time across any of the comics. So any more Superman content I am here for. Uh, got a lot to live up, in my opinion, when it comes to Superman TV shows because uh, the candle holder, the torch holder, the you know, number one gold medal, still Smallville. So got a lot to live up to. Am I expecting a Smallville clone? No. I'm, I'm expecting... You know, it's not. A, listen, it would have been a home run out of the park if they were on the same farm and set that Smallville was on, but they're not. It looks like it's more close to the uh, the, the Snyderverse, I guess you could say, uh, farm. But I got high hopes. You know, there's a deep roster in in uh, uh, Rogues Gallery that they can borrow from and they can have a lot of fun with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, and especially if they can somehow tie in John Cryer as Lex Luthor. <sighs> That'd be awesome. I'm all for it. So, obviously, February 23rd, make sure you set your DVRs, set your popcorn, do what you need to to get ready for it, and definitely we'll be we'll be covering that episode. The only thing up. I know that's is going to be real awkward is when Batwoman eventually meets Bruce, and, or no, not Bruce, uh, Clark, and goes, where's Batman? I can't tell you. Yeah. Because you got to figure Clark knows. Yeah, they're going to explain that, obviously, with the Earths merging now. Yep. that They'll definitely explain what happened to the real Bruce Wayne. I know they've touched upon it a little bit loosely in Batwoman, 
But we'll get the real definition, I would imagine, when they do the crossover episodes. I know the one was ruled out already. Oh, okay. With uh, Batwoman and Supergirl, I believe. Oh, okay, yeah, makes so, sense. So I'm not sure, though. I, I did hear some speculation they were going to keep Batwoman away from Superman and Lois for right now. Sure, makes but sense. card subject to change like wrestling is. So yeah. You know how that goes. Uh, also, talking some TV. Now, this Wednesday night, I believe, the 27th, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, on the Sci-Fi Network. Deadly Class. I wish. I wish. I just had to twist that knife. Oh, my God. Happy. You're, you're such a heartless man. I'm happy. Just, I'm putting that out right now. Oh, hap, happy. I'm okay. Happy does not bother me. Okay. Deadly class bothers me. All they, right. they followed the show. I was talking with the actors on it. It was a great time. No, we have another comic adaptation coming to the Sci-Fi Network, though. Okay. And this one is Resident Alien. Hmm. Now, this stars uh, an, or an actor you were talking just shortly about, Alan Tudyk. Yeah. He's playing the title role. And the story is based on the 2012 Dark Horse comic, uh, which a alien comes to Earth with a mission and has to take the identity of someone in the town and basically lay low and kind of question about what his real mission is about. The trailer, or seven first seven minutes, I should say, rather, uh, was released at New York Comic Con. Oh, okay. So I have seen it. Ooh. It's dark humor. Okay. But... It looked good. That's good. It looked really good. So I'm definitely excited to go check it out when it, it, it's debuting this week on yeah, Sci-Fi. Yeah. Uh, time escapes me as of this recording, but I'm going to say probably 10 o'clock because that's when they usually like run yeah. their, yeah. their shows. So definitely check out Sci-Fi's Resident Alien and see how the show goes. And I'm saying with Alan Tudyk as the lead role, you know it's going to be good. So I'm excited to definitely check that out. And switching to some comic news. Mm-hmm. Now, this one, I had to raise an eyebrow. Okay. And in fact, I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Marvel has released a trailer for a headline, which if you're a longtime comic reader, you heard this and went, are you kidding me? Right. Heroes Reborn, coming 2021. Written by Jason Aaron, uh, drawn by Ed McGinnis. Yes. Now, you're probably going, wait, I don't get it. And if you don't understand the reference, here's a quick synopsis. Back in the 90s. 1996. Yes, thank you. Marvel was pretty much dominated by the X-Men line. The Avengers and Fantastic Four were very much second thoughts. Uh, just fans weren't, res- weren't connecting with them. The X-Men were had all the biggest names on the books. So to shake things up, during the Onslaught crossover, which, take it for what it is, uh, the X-Men and Fantastic Four disappeared and were presumed dead from the 616 universe. However, this was due to Marvel contracting Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee to bring back the franchises after they had left for Image Comics. So this is the first time they came back in a very, very long time. Fans were excited, and they did their versions of Fantastic Four and Iron Man. That was under the Jim Lee Wildstorm banner. Jim Lee was drawing his Fantastic Four, whilst Particio was drawing... Iron Man, you know him from Wetworks, along with Uncanny X-Men. Rob Liefeld was doing Cap and the Avengers, and you can always see that one picture of the ginormous chest on Captain America. And, yeah. Uh, Very mixed reaction. Uh, It only lasted 12 issues, and then they came back to the Marvel 616 universe as it was revealed that Franklin Richards had them in a pocket universe, if memory serves me right. So, obviously, when this got released, I immediately went... What is going on? Right. So we did see the trailer, and it is the synopsis goes that 
the events coming out of the Enter the Phoenix storyline. Right, which is the current line they're doing. Right. uh, Is going to basically wipe away the Avengers from the 616 universe. Huh. And you're going to have them replaced with what appears to be the Squadron Supreme. Yeah. Which now seems to be creeping in WandaVision. So I'm not saying they're making a push for them, but you definitely have to stay tuned for that. We also see that apparently Dr. Doom has the Sidorak gem of the Juggernaut in his possession. Yeah, it's a Dr. Juggernaut. Yes. And where we go from here is going to be anybody's guess. Now, I trust Jason Aaron. I think he's definitely earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to events like this. Right. His track record with Thor speaks for itself. I am just very, very uh, puzzled about why we're coming back to Heroes Reborn. But Yeah, it looks like it's going to get real batshit crazy because reading off an article from IG, IGN.com, uh, quote, in the new timeline, Thor is an embittered uh, alcoholic unworthy of Mjolnir. Tony Stark never created his trademark armor and Captain America remains frozen in ice. In place of the Avengers, the Squadron Supreme of America is the world's dominant super team and they'll be opposing villains like Dr. Juggernaut, the Black Skull, the Silver Witch, and a Thanos who wields Infinity Rings instead of the Infinity Gauntlet. So yeah, if you have Dr. Doom in an armor that looks like the Juggernaut, presumably with the power and skill and everything else of Juggernaut, uh, coupled with uh, Thanos walking around with basically the Infinity Rings, uh, and it's Jason Aaron, so we know it's going to get real fucking weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to get real crazy. Yeah, it's definitely going to be absolutely wild. I mean, Aaron's run on Avengers has definitely been crazy. I mean, I'm looking at the photo uh, provided by Marl. It, I mean, it look, even looks like Venom's involved in this. Yeah, they definitely have tied him in with this. And like I said, they have a trailer online right now for it. So the event is supposed to kick off around April. Okay. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and like I say, I am just really interested to see why they're going to bring it back. Like, if they want to pay homage to him, sure. But kind of funny because, like I say, the whole instance going around with why Lee and Leifel took over the books is uh, kind of of an interesting story to play. So that being said, definitely stay tuned for that. And my last comic bit of news is it has been announced on Uh Marvel.com about a new lineup for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, all so right. So this April as well, Al Ewing is re-upping the deck. This is supposed to be, if you're doing the legacy numbering, the 175th issue of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. So the cover, we have some familiar faces. Yeah. One Star-Lord. Yep. One Gamora. Yep. Nova. Ooh. We have Hulkling and Wiccan. Hmm. And Groot. Interesting. So the synopsis kind of reads... Uh, to quote Marvel, they are soldiers, misfits, mercenaries, thieves, and a family. They are heroes, but times have changed. The galaxy no longer needs heroes. It needs superheroes. After the events of the uh, battle with the Olympian gods, the Guardians of the Galaxy have been deputized by the Galactic Council. Hmm. So new adventures call for new teammates, and the Guardians have expanded the roster like never before. So joining Star-Lord, Gamora, Rock, and Groot uh, will be the young Avengers, Wiccan, and Emperor Hulkling, who we've seen just in the Empire uh, crossover that just happened, and some surprising new teammates yet to be revealed. Hmm. So, that being said, I have a major guess who they're going to bring back, and I actually talked about this on the year-end edition of Cheers to Comics. Okay. Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yo. All right. Long overdue to bring him on that team and make Let's him a permanent. Let's get real fucking weird. Well, we got to because if, if you're going to be shifting up the deck, and obviously, ironically, with WandaVision, who comes back on the team but Hulkling and Wiccan, yep. who are married yep. on, in, in the timeline. So 
it makes perfect sense to bring him back. If you're having Rocket here, you got uh, just pair him with Cosmic Ghost Rider, yeah. let him go nuts. Yeah. So, like I say, April, this book is dropping. The cover that they have on the promo art is done by Brett Booth. Always a big fan of his stuff. So, definitely check that out if you're a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, and definitely hit me up in the chat. Let me know what you think of that lineup. I think it's actually pretty dope. I'm very excited to see it. Like I say, I'm always a fan of Hulkling and Wiccan. I think they're an awesome couple, so definitely see what they pull off here in the Guardians universe. Yeah. And if they're adding other members, who do you want to see added? Like, that would be the question. Yeah. So, for more comic information, though, I will always shout out our good friend Brian Wayne over at Cheers the Comics Podcast. Wednesday pull list, last comic shop. You heard their promo earlier in the show, and all the great indie ones you can find. Just hit us up at OD Parlor, and I'll point you in that direction because... You need to hear them before you go support your local comic shops. Always remember to do that every week. Keep them going. And especially if you've got a pull list, go pick it up. Yeah. So that being said, Pat, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that a shout at the robots. You know Shout. Uh-huh. They're great people. Yes, they are. Love Shout. Uh, they have a Patreon out that you can sign, sign up and go get merch. And they have fantastic merchandise. Where, where, where do you find out about this? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Right on. You head on over to the ODPH website. You click on the music section, and it'll have everything you need to know going on with Shout Out the Robots. Our good friend Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire doing a Wednesday concert series via his Patreon page. He will not let me put in for Nickelback. Oh, it's that's a, a shame. It's a crying shame. That's it's a, shame. a crying shame. Uh, but you can definitely sign up and see what Brian's doing. He plays a lot of great music. Maybe if enough people suggest it, he'll do it. No, he won't. He'll probably refund the money. <sighs> Darn it. There's a great story behind it that you'll have to hit up Brian to explain. Uh, you can definitely check out what's going on with our friends over at Floodland, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu. All the great music you hear on the ODPH can be found right there. Also on OchoDoroPileHour.com, you can check out the directory, which has friends of the show, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages. Because, Pad, what is my golden rule about that? Uh, I don't know. Oh, you don't know. He, he, I was waiting for you to go Aladdin on me again this nah, week. Nah, did that, did that last week. I know, he's throwing me a curveball. The rule is, if you claim that you're in a pod group and you're not on pod chaser with your group, you're not in a pod group. I'm sorry, I'm just putting that out there. So definitely want to shout out Pod Nation, the Legion Independent Podcast, Alternate Reality Radio, the Apocalypse, who you saw the pod raid today going on with Infectious Grooves Podcast, shout out to them. And, of course, 8122 Productions and hashtag 607 Podcasts. Because we definitely want to shout our good friends over at 8122, Rich, Ron, Mike C, and hashtag Big Natty Cool still on Twitter, Pad. Oh, boy. Yep. He's still on. He's still bringing the heat. Oh, boy. He didn't make it for the stream this past Saturday night. We were extremely bummed out about that. But definitely he will be back to face off with Coach Duffy sooner than later. So if you want to sign up for their Patreon, $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you to come see the table. Anything else, I don't want to know about because I can't talk about Love is Scary on the air. It's fact. All of that links to our T Public store, which we are presumably having a sale this week, if memory serves me right. So definitely you want to get some ODPH swag, and I hope you do because it helps support the show. You can go there, click on, and definitely go pick up some nice items going on. And you can check out and follow the Twitch channel. All of that and so much more. Like, I could keep going on all night about it, but hey, just go to OchoDuroParleyHour.com and check it out for yourself. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. See you next time. <laughs>